Hello and welcome to episode 40 of the Arena Regulars podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Jeff. And we're your source for weekly Drunken Magic the Gathering Arena content. Yep, basically just two regular dudes drinking irregular beer and talking about Magic the Gathering, and in particular their online client, MTG Arena. That's right, and it's episode 40. Hooray! We made it to 40. I don't know if that's a specific milestone, but it feels pretty big to me. Um, (laughs) It's a a milestone to us. Yeah, exactly. Um, And this episode we are going to be talking about Jumpstart Historic Horizons and all the new cards that we are getting into Historic crazy it's it's a lot it's a lot of them (laughs) but first each week we both bring a beer we drink our own then drink each other's and rate them on a scale of bronze to mythic and choose the best for last so with that jeff what's on tap okay i brought a beer called lodestar lodestar with plum made by elora brewing company and it's a sour beer that presumably has been made with plum and other than that there's pretty much no other information on the can so looking forward to giving this one a try Perfect. What have you got? I brought a Thai PA from uh, Louis oh, Cipher. Oh, it's, I see what you did there. Yeah, well, they, they did that. I didn't make that up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a coconut and lemongrass IPA, and uh, it is 6.5%, and the can has like a tiki-looking dragon thing on it, um, which fits with the Thai PA. You're going to give it a tie? Yeah, I'm going to give it a tie. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, magic news. Wow. Okay. So there's going to be a huge patch this next week uh, on August 10th. And it's going to, Arena's going to be down for like four hours. They're going to fix some stuff. Uh, but the weird thing about it is that now we're going to, it's such a big patch that we're going to have two different ranked seasons in Arena. Huh. It's weird. Yeah. So from the 1st to the 10th, we have one ranked season. And then from the 10th again to the 31st, there's a second ranked season. It basically just has to do with, I don't know, how high you get and qualifications and blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. But for some reason, they had to do it this way. So I'm guessing the patch has something to do with the how they rank people um, and mm-hmm. also how they they just how they implement cards. So basically, after this patch, expect a lot of problems. So just be ready for that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there will be bugs. Um, Use the bug report thing. It works. So does that mean I have, like, a week to get to Mythic? Yeah, basically. (laughs) And then I'll have to start over. Uh, Actually, no. So they're only going to reset Mythic players for this this short one. So if you're Mythic, you'll be bumped down to Diamond. But everyone else will just stay in the same place. And I think you just get your your season rewards for both times. I think so. Oh, that sounds like it's all upside. Yeah, they weren't extremely clear on that, but to me, it sounds like, yay, extra packs. That's good. <laughs> uh, do they tell us what it's for in particular, or just say it's back-end stuff? Uh, they said that it was a lot of back-end stuff, and mainly how they're... So I'm assuming it's a lot of, oh, these old mechanics, maybe like madness and different things like that, just to a better way to implement those so they can make put more cards into Arena faster. That's what it seems like to me. Okay. Yeah. Also, uh, Jeff, yeah. <laughs> um, we're getting a new queue. What is that? What's the queue? What What is that? Uh, I think it's Historic Brawl. Yeah. It's coming. 100 card singleton Historic Brawl, as I predicted. Uh, um, uh, will be coming to the game around this time. Yeah, did you did you predict that or was that me? I think I, I think I remember, you know, me winning this. No, game. no, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure it was me. I said we we're going to have Historic Brawl <laughs> queues by July. So 
technically, we, we just, it was announced in July, and it's going to be implemented in August. But still, I think that's a win. That's a win for me. Hmm. I'll have to think about whether I'm going to give you that one. All right, well. To me, it looks like August 3rd, you know. Um, well, um, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, historic Brawl, 100-card Historic Brawl is going to be, I guess, not completely evergreen, but they're adding a queue, so if you really like that, please play it, because then you'll get to keep it, and we can keep it, keep playing it. Yeah, I mean, this has been, they've been kind of hinting at this for a while, right, mm-hmm. with a lot of the historic anthologies they're releasing that have zero impact on constructed <laughs> historic and have a bunch of random you know commanders in them yeah so it'll be nice that you can actually use those cards if you purchase the historic anthology yeah. for example and this may come up a couple times in the episode so um just you know yeah. this this historic brawl thing is pretty important i think for uh yeah it's important that this is a new game new way to play the game that's coming and so yeah, we'll be seeing a few cards that it might be geared towards. Yeah, probably. Um, hey, Jeff, there's also a really big, uh, you know, important event coming up this weekend. Oh? Yeah. What's that? Uh, it's one of those gauntlets. The, it's the Challenger gauntlet, you know. Oh, the thing that, that qualifies you for the thing that they're discontinuing? Yes. Yeah, that one. Oh, okay. That, that's happening. Yeah, cool. <clears throat> yeah. That makes sense. It, yep, it had to happen sometime, I guess. I'm a little thrown off because I figured the new set's been out for a while, and so it's like they can actually play with the new cards or no? Uh, well, the thing is that actually they will be playing Historic, and there's a new a bunch of new cards coming to Historic next week, so they thought that they would have the tournament happen this week. Okay, that checks yeah. out. See, I was thinking Standard, you know, why do they get to play with Adventures in the Forgotten Realm Standard cards? Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. The event's only half standard. The other half is historic. So if they wanted to do their traditional thing of having them play right before the new cards come out, they could only do it for one of the two. Points. Yeah, because how else would they be able to advertise the new cards? You know, it, it, yeah. everyone who's watching <laughs> those is really interested in the cards that have already been spoiled and just want to play the new cards and they'll they'll right. <laughs> watch the tournament. <laughs> anyway, if you're interested, that's this weekend. Um, uh, the wind has been taken out of my sails a bit for this one. Uh, not, I probably won't be excited till World. So, yeah, I'll, I'll check out the World Championship for sure, mm-hmm. and you know, maybe grab some deck lists out of this event if I want to play some standard. Absolutely, but. yeah. Um, and four players uh, from this tournament are going to go to Worlds, so um, I'll keep an eye out for whoever wins. And yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's about it. All right, Jeff, should we just start talking about new cards? I think that's what it's what it's time for i think that's what the name of the game is basically you know so holy moly all right so we don't even have all of the cards (laughs) yet um so we're basically just going to be reviewing what has been spoiled so far but uh by the time this episode comes out they might have added 200 and something more cards that you could have seen so (laughs) yeah (laughs) uh we think most of those are are non-rare is that Correct. Yeah, I think there's only a few rares left, like seven or something. So, so you know, we'll have most of the impactful cards probably to discuss, or most of the highest impact cards. Exactly. In the rares and mythics. Yeah. So, Jeff, I thought it might be a good idea to just start with the digital-only cards. Does that sound good to you? We could just get mm-hmm. through some of those. Yeah, so in this set, Historic Horizons, uh, Jumpstart Historic Horizons, we're going to have some new cards that kind of push magic in a different direction. So for the first time ever, they're going to have cards that 
you can't actually print in paper because they rely on uh, the computer system that MTG Arena is. So these things can create cards that add to your hand instead of creating tokens, or maybe they will change something's power and toughness forever, even if you bounce it or you bring it back from the graveyard or something, it will still have that effect. And so these kind of tracking issues or randomization issues that you wouldn't really be able to get away with in paper, um, but you can use a computer for it, they're finally just adding these directly into MTG Arena. Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, if you want to hear our thoughts about these, you can go to last episode, but I guess I'm just going to say it right now. Um, I'm, I've actually been pretty on board with this right now. I'm like, I'm yeah. pretty excited to see how it works out. Um, I don't personally think any of the cards are super busted, so I'm happy about that. I actually think they could have pushed the envelope a little more on these. Really? You know, done more stuff that felt impossible to do in paper, because some of them are like, this is pretty close to something you can accomplish in paper. It's not quite the same, and I get that, but it's it, it's not going to play that differently. Yeah, there there are a lot of like ones where they had one great idea and they put that on one card, and the other one's like, I guess, um, well, we could do this too, and then they just like make a cycle of five. Yeah. They're like, okay, well, all right, um, well, we could try this one, and then they're like, all right, that's okay, um, but let's yeah, sure. let's just not make it yeah. too crazy. Um, <laughs> So, but we do have uh, five Planeswalkers, one of each color, classic. Uh, we talked about the black one last week. Um, so we have a few other ones. Let, we should yeah. just dive into these, I think. Cool, yeah. I mean, the black one, um, Davriel, was pretty cool. So I'm expecting some, some stuff. Exactly, exactly. Um, perfect. Which one, which one do you want to talk about first? Uh, well, I'm staring at them in order... I'm not sure what that order is. <laughs> I guess it's just alphabetical. So let's do Fraley's Sky Shroud Partisan. So this is one green green for a legendary planeswalker Fraley's with four loyalty. So three mana planeswalker, already a good start. <clears throat> Plus one, untap up to one target elf. That elf and a random elf creature card in your hand perpetually get plus one, plus one. Uh, so remember that perpetually means... It's just going to be a permanent stat buff. Imagine you're sharpieing out the power and toughness on your card and upgrading it. Minus one, seek an elf card. So that just means basically get the next elf card in your library, right? Mm -hmm. Like and add it to your hand. And then minus six is conjure a regal force card onto the battlefield. Uh, so that basically makes a token, except that the token is not a token. It's a card. Exactly. Um... Yeah, so, and, and just to, to note, Seek just gets a random elf out of your deck. Oh, uh, okay. Not the next one. So, this is actually one of the I ones see. that I could see just slotting into elves, or at least being tried out, uh, because I love that it's three mana. That's awesome. That, that's like, yeah. it, as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, absolutely not, until I realized it only cost three. And I was like, ah, uh, you could actually play this. Because that then it kind of, before when it was four, it you had to want it over Tyvar. And now it's like, ah, uh, you know, right. I, I could play this on turn two so much easier. And it's basically drawing me creatures and mm -hmm. or pumping my cards. I don't know. What, what do you think? It's also worth mentioning, I guess, that Regal Force is a 5-5, five five, that when it comes into play, you draw a card for each green creature you control. So that's pretty big. 
Yeah, so the ultimate is pretty good here, especially in an elf deck where you just want to, like, vomit your hand onto the battlefield, have, like, 13 elves and infinite mana. Mm -hmm. um, that's a pretty strong ability. I just think the other two abilities aren't really that good. Like, you have to plus twice to get up to six before you can do that. And that ability kind of nets you a mana, I guess. It untaps, like, a Llanowar elf. Yeah. But it doesn't do that much for the elf game plan otherwise. So unless you're able to use that mana right away, you know, you have to be able to make up the three mana you spent on this, I guess. Yeah, it would be good with... Um, there's that one elf that taps for each elf you control. Mm -hmm. So that's in that deck already. So that does make that quite it's good. true. It's good with that. But it's bad with Collected Company because you can't play this off of Collected Company. Uh, so you might have to choose whether you want to go Planeswalker route or Coco route, and it feels like Coco is probably still better. Yeah, like maybe you play this against in your sideboard to bring in against control decks that have, make you a little more resilient to Wraths. That's true. Something like that. Because it does just draw you cards. Like at the very least, yeah, it'll exactly. draw you an elf every turn and, until it dies. Like Yeah, it'll, and it'll draw a non-land card, right? Exactly. So, too. so, um, so I don't hate it. It's not blowing me away, which is great. I love that these are not yeah. blowing me away. I'm just, I'm, right. I can't. Yeah, that's going to be a common thing. I can't explain <laughs> how important it is that they don't do that, but they do seem worth trying, but not so much that uh, I'm going to be like, why the fuck did they print this card? Oh, sorry. Why did they make this? They didn't print it, but why did they yeah, make yeah, it? Yeah, we can't even say that anymore. <laughs> I know. You don't know how to complain about uh, these how cards. How do I complain either? about these? Uh, but anyways, I'm going to jump forward. Um, to talk about the, yes. no, the new uh, Kiora. So this is Kiora, the Tide's Fury. It's three and a blue for a four mana Kiora Planeswalker. You can plus one to conjure a Kraken Hatchling card into your hand. You can plus one also to untap target creature or land and prevent all damage that we dealt to and buy that permanent until end of turn, or sorry, until your next turn. And then you can minus three and you may sacrifice a Kraken. And if you do, you can create an eight, eight blue Kraken creature token. So, this one is also, well, number one, uh, this card has been getting a lot of attention because of the artwork. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen this, but on Twitter, people have been talking about, like, the, her, <laughs> just the way that, the artist that uh, made this, what's her name? Um, Megalie Villeneuve. Yeah, so she had, she also did, uh, like, Rowan and Will, and the, yeah. the, the camera angle that she uses, or I guess the perspective that she's giving us, makes it look like these are so huge, these planeswalkers, and that they're kind of going to step on you. And people have been, it's kind of a thirst trap, and people are making jokes about, oh, step on me any day, Kiora, or all this stuff. It's, oh, <laughs> it's been really okay. funny, sorry. <laughs> and it, it just made me laugh. Um, so when I look at it, yeah. it makes me laugh like that. But um, So first, I like the card because of that, because that's it's always fun when there's something non-magic related to talk about with, uh, with the card. <laughs> Um, yeah. However, I don't think... It's already a hit. Yeah, exactly. I don't think we know what the Kraken Hatchling cards are. Uh, yeah, so Kraken Hatchling's an old card. It's just an 0-4 for one. All right, so you, you get an 0-4 for one mana that goes into your hand. Not awesome. Mm -hmm. um, ramping you no. or untapping a creature that is like amazing blocker or stopping one of their blockers, basically, because you prevent all damage that would be dealt to and buy it. Um, that's, right. that's pretty good. Um, feels like it has enough use cases. Right? Yeah, at least it protects it's itself. It's a pretty good plus. Yeah, that's a especially because if it's a it's a plus, right? Um, it's also yeah. nice because you if you happen to have krakens out already or a changeling or something, 
you can just play this for four mana and get an 8-8 Kraken, and she's still alive. You just ultimate right away. Plus, if you have that, that artifact that lets you use Planeswalkers twice in the same turn, you can conjure a Kraken Hatchling and then untap an island to cast that Kraken Hatchling. That's true. That's a combo. That's, that is a combo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but ultimately, like, yeah, it's a big, dumb 8-8. It doesn't have Hexproof, so... I don't know. This, yeah, this card has, like, a cute story, but uh, seems just okay. Yeah, overall seems um, fun if you get it in your Jumpstart packs, but I probably wouldn't be spending any card, like wild like, cards on this. Like, the plus ability is really not that different than just making an 0-4 token. Mm -hmm. You have to spend one mana, so it's slightly worse. But in almost, like, in a lot of situations, it's pretty similar to that. Um, so I, this is one of the ones where I'm like, I kind of wish they were showing off the... Uh, digital only mechanics here like right. the first two did a good job of that because the first two are like you're conjuring a regal force like something huge this is like the only digital thing is con conjure a kraken hatchling <laughs> <laughs> which is a card that already existed before so you could technically play this in paper because you just yeah you just have and regal force did too but that was like an eight drop that you wanted to you know it's, it's cool. Yeah, but... Like, I feel like conjuring lame stuff is, is lame. Well, also, conjuring a Kraken Hatchling you could do in paper because you just have a stack next to you and you put it in your hand. With Fraley's, you yeah. seek an elf card from your deck. You can't do that in paper. Right. So, um, this is another yeah, one Yeah, all three of Fraley's abilities are digital yeah. only. Yeah, so. and basically none of Kiora's are digital only. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, all right, so I'm ready to move on <laughs> to the red one. Okay. So, next up is Sarkhan. Wanderer to Shiv, so I'm always a fan of Sarkon cards for some reason, so I'm already excited about this. Three and a red for four loyalty, pl Sarkon Planeswalker, plus one dragon cards in your hand, perpetually gain, this costs one less to cast, and you may pay X rather than pay the spell's mana cost, where X is its mana value. Okay, zero, conjure a Shivan Dragon card into your hand, and minus two, Sarkon deals three damage to target creature. Hmm. Now, I could get behind this. I, I think I can, too. Here's what I'm talking about. Conjuring something awesome. Like, how much cooler is it to conjure Shiv and Dragon than Kraken Hatchling? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Shiv and Dragon's, of course, so much better than that. Um, I like that, basically, you know, Sarkon's going back to all the... Uh, dragon matters cards and mm -hmm. making them easier to cast and you continually plus to make cards cheaper and cheaper to cast so you can play a shivan dragon for two red mana awesome or not even two red mana just two mana it could be mana of any color <laughs> oh no no right. never mind yeah. no you'd have to spend six <laughs> lies that's lies because um, it either it either makes it cost one generic less or you can pay whatever colors but not both Right? I don't think so. I don't know. I think it like works both both work at the same time. Oh, does it? Oh, that makes it a lot more interesting. It basically means like it makes all your dragons one cheaper, but then also means that the dragons in your hand color doesn't matter. That's how I'm reading it. And also means that you if you plussed Sarkin six times with a dragon in your hand for each time, or a Shivan Dragon, let's say. You play this, get a Shivan Dragon. Nobody kills this for six turns. You plus it up six times, you can play Shivan Dragon for free. Is that what that means? 
No, I think you have to pay two at the least. Okay. At the lowest. So that's what I was. But you could always you could still just pay two of any. You don't have to pay red red. But it says you may pay X rather than pay the spell's mana cost, where X is its mana value. Yeah. So I think its mana cost is going down, right? But it its mana cost never goes down by a colored pip. So you get its mana cost down to red red, and then you can pay two rather than pay. It's mana cost. But its mana value but never I, changes. Its mana value will always be six. Right? I don't know, because, like, I guess it depends how perpetually works with that. Yeah, that might be kind of interesting. Because my understanding of mana value is that it's always the same, and you can make the cost less, but the manu value, mana value is always six. Mm -hmm. But with this, like, the ideas were kind of changing cards and doing stuff that we normally can't do. So I guess I just assumed that... I could get my Shivan Dragons to cost two. Yeah, you of any color, of any. And color. I was thinking you could either like two generic. Yeah, and to me it was like you could either make your Shivan Dragons cost two red, or uh, a like a dragon in your hand that you can't cast because you don't have the colors. You just you can still cast. I don't know. All right, let's just agree to play Nickel, uh, no Niv Mizzet Reborn. So that the distinction doesn't matter. <laughs> Perfect. There you go. <laughs> You're always just paying five. <laughs> All right. So this is the first thing I need to learn about this set is how this card actually yeah. works. <laughs> That's going to come up a couple of times. Because I definitely thought I knew how it worked going into this. And after talking with you, I have no idea. So um, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Great. In any case, it's a four mana lightning bolt. No, not even. It's a four mana uh, deal three to a creature. Lightning yeah. That's good. Whatever that's called. <laughs> yeah. But it does leave something around, and even if you, like, play this, deal three damage to whatever they have, conjure a few Shivan Dragons into your hand, that's probably worth it in the end. Totally. Um, yeah. I think people are going to overestimate that zero ability, though, because, like, like, that's quite a bit worse than draw a card, for example. And I think people are going to say, oh, it, you know, comes down and it draws you a card, or kills something and draws you a card. It's like, not really, though, because you would never put Shivan Dragon in your historic deck. It's just not good enough. Yeah. And so it, you can imagine that zero as saying, like, draw a bad card. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, like, in the same way that you probably weren't comparing Kiora's plus one to draw a card. Exactly. If that card said draw a card instead of the plus one, it'd be much better. But Yeah, exactly. So... No, I definitely agree with that. So this one seems like, hey, maybe a fun dragon deck, but uh, I'm not expecting this to, to ruin anyone's day. Yeah, I'm going to put this in your dragon storm deck as a way to, like, <laughs> if all your dragon storms get pulled out of your deck, you can still actually cast a set. Yeah, maybe. That, that could be a good sideboard card. Who knows? Yeah. Um, I think it's probably just too slow for historic. Yeah. But, um, but yeah. Like, basically what you're saying, the rate of three damage to a creature for four is just too bad. Exactly. It's also interesting because it doesn't help your commander in Historic Brawl. It only does dragon cards in your hand. So you can't even make your commander cost less if it was a dragon. Interesting. But can, this can be your commander. No, that is maybe. true. It can be your commander. So then maybe you make a mono-red Sarkin commander deck. Or, sorry, uh, brawl, Historic Brawl deck is what I meant to say. Yeah. All right. Uh, moving on. So Teo, this is... <laughs> I wanted you to read this card because I know that you love Teo so much. So this is Teo Aegis Adept. It's two white-white for four loyalty Teo Planeswalker. 
which also I realized that all the Planeswalkers have four loyalty, so that's kind of nice. Um, it just mm-hmm. it just looks clean, like clean. Um, I feel like they probably all had four CM or mana value too. They were probably were all two, all four total mana, mm-hmm. and then for whatever reason, Fraley's got. They're like, you know what, Fraley's needs to be a little bit better. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, so Teo has a plus one. Up to one target creature's p- base power perpetually becomes equal to its toughness. It perpetually gains this creature can attack as though it didn't have defender. Then it also has a minus two. You can conjure a lumbering light shield card onto the battlefield. And it has a minus six. When you get an emblem with, at the beginning of your end step, return target white creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. You gain life equal to its toughness. Okay, so this is the first card that conjures a card that is also new yes out of these ones so lumbering light shield is what it's the the one that's like paolo right yeah it's the one that's like paolo so it's a one four for two when it enters the battlefield the opponent reveals a non-land card at random that perpetually gains the spell costs one more okay so it's it's not like paolo because it's at random yeah but i don't know i know cards like this are always popular but i, I never like them these like <laughs> get the walls the walls deck and then all the cards that let your walls attack and use their toughness as power um, i was never into that gimmick but i know it is a popular one that, that they make cards like this every once in a while and people always try to make it work so yeah I'm sure there will be people playing their teo's light shield decks in historic it's great what are you talking about we got mono white <laughs> recursion we get uh yeah. walls uh, coming to life and being bigger uh yeah you know what? This works really well with the Kraken Hatchlings because then you have a one-mana 4-4. Four, right. four. <laughs> so. so there you go. You put Teo and Kiora in your Arcades Historic Brawl Boom. deck or whatever. You heard it here first. <laughs> That's what you got to do. <laughs> That's the secret That's tech the secret. for the new format. Yep. Um, but besides that, I mean, it's nice that uh, Teo can conjure a card to the battlefield, which is really good. Um instead of your hand, but for the most part, yeah, this goes in that one deck and you're not, it doesn't really do anything else. But also, hey, Teo is doing Teo things and good for you, Teo. Good for you. Totally. I like that Lumbering Light Shield doesn't even have Defender, so the, the minus two and the plus one are a bit clunky. Yeah, that's just an extra thing for, I don't know. You you put this in your, like, Shadrix deck or whatever, right? Ch- Chandrix? Yeah. That giant crab thing. Because then it's just fucking huge. Anyway. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> that is the idea. Um, all right, so after that, through all the Planeswalkers, I'm still like, eh. I don't know if I already don't care for Planeswalkers all that much, uh, but I'm, they're fine. They're fine. Yeah. Davriel's definitely the coolest teaming one, and then Fraley's, I think. After that, um, I'm about right. Yeah, there's some stuff for people to explore. Mm-hmm. Um, is kind of my least favorite. No matter how thick she may be. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want Kiora to step on you? Oh, so sad. No, probably not. No. no. <laughs> um, I did want to jump to like more of a random card. This is just some honorable mention. I could have waited till, till later to talk about this card, but I want to do it right now because before I forget. Yeah. Um, so, okay. I mean, what are the odds of that? Yeah. So, uh, Long Tusk Stalker. Is a single green mana for a 1-1 cat, and when it enters the battlefield or attacks, you get an energy token or counter. And then you can Mm -hmm. pay two energy, and 
it gets perpetually plus one plus zero. And then you can choose a creature card in your hand, and if you do, that card also gets plus one plus zero perpetually. So yeah. I just thought this was really interesting because this is the first time they've printed an energy card since Aether Revolt. Well, <laughs> why? Why did they decide to do this now? It's so in it's so weird. Like it is it's to support the cat's deck, man. Yeah, is this the cat's deck or is it like the energy deck, I guess? And energies? Is this the card that helps energy be a deck? Maybe. Mm, I think like this is an aggressive card, right? So you really want to the energy decks right now are all like Aetherworks Marvel. Yeah. I mean, I was playing that one, the Pummeler deck, for a while. That was fun. This could fit into that Pummeler deck. Yeah, okay. It could be a Pummeler I guess card, no, because giving your Pummeler plus one plus zero is kind of Actually, that sounds pretty sweet. Perpetually. You could, because yeah. then you, yeah, you have Pummeler in your hand, and then you just perpetually keep making Pummeler huge, so when you play it, they're like, oh, shit, that's like a, a five-one Pummeler? We found it. It's for the Pummeler deck. It's the Pummeler deck. deck. Oh, then that. And it's also like a riff off of Long Tusk Cup, yeah. just for the... But it's better because you don't, you don't have to hit them to get the energy. Awesome. And because it costs one and mana. And it costs one mana. All right. Yeah. I, I started this being like, this is really strange. I'm not extremely sure. But I'm ending it with, I'm probably going to make sure I put this in, uh, put this in the deck. <laughs> I'm going to craft these because <laughs> it's an uncommon. <laughs> um, I just thought, you know, it's so crazy that they just decided energy was worth uh, adding one single card. Of energy, yeah, it just it seems baffling. I don't know. Maybe there's an energy. I think we did get there. I think they wanted to give some help to Pummel. Yeah, so it does it right there. Um, does this mean that one of the packs is just energy, and it's just a bunch of energy cards? Who knows? Maybe. Uh, maybe they could be adding some more energy cards. Not necessarily though, because this will just be in the cats. Uh, the cats. I pack. guess that's true, but it, does, it seems like a pretty bad cat <laughs> for that. Well, you can immediately make it a 2-1 when you attack, right? So it's kind of a 2-1 for one baseline. I, okay, all right. So so you're saying it's a Savannah Alliance. All right. Okay, well, anytime they can make it... And it's slight, with slight upgrade because it pumps something in your hand. It makes too. the other long test stalker in your hand a Savannah Alliance as well. That's right. <laughs> Interesting. And then you go like triple, you go long test stalker, turn two, double long tusk stalker. Ooh. And activate the Long Tusk Stalker twice, and now you're off to the races. Yeah. Okay. I mean, sure. <laughs> All right. I'm down for that. That's fine. Um, another card people are talking about is, uh, and people who aren't just Zach, uh, <laughs> is Mana Gorger Phoenix. Yeah. This is red, red for a 2-2 creature Phoenix with flying. It can't block. Whenever you cast a spell, if it's in your graveyard, you put a flame counter on it for each red mana pip in that spell's mana cost. And then if it has five or more flame counters on it, return it to the battlefield, and it perpetually gains plus one, plus one. Hmm. So it has a bit of an Arclight Phoenix vibe, but it doesn't have haste, and it triggers off any spell instead of just instants and sorceries, yeah. but they have to be red spells. So is this uh, another piece in the Arclight Phoenix, Phoenix deck, or are you just literally just playing this in... Mono red, and it just keeps coming back constantly. That's where I would look. I, I think Phoenix doesn't really want this because it has so many like ops and random blue cards that are just there to trigger Phoenix. Mm -hmm. um, you would, you could do maybe a mono red Phoenix and rebuild the deck entirely, right? But this kind of seems like worse Arclight Phoenix for that style of game plan to me. Yeah. 
I'm more into what you're talking about is this is just your two drop in your mono red aggro deck and you're just going to incidentally get it back for free every once in a while. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know if they're still playing Goblin Chain Whirler, but that gets you almost all the way there. So Yeah, it gets you more than halfway. Yeah. Um, so I kind of like it. I mean, people are, are thinking it's uh, very strong. Um, I'm not as high on it as the, a lot of the community seems to yeah, be. Yeah, I don't think I am either, but it does seem very powerful. So I wouldn't be surprised if this ends up being a card that sees play. But I also wouldn't be surprised if it doesn't. Yeah. So that's kind of where I'm sitting on this one. I, I'll let other people prove to me that it's good before I crack Exactly. It. I need to lose to this uh, quite a few times before I'm going to, to start yeah. <laughs> crafting it. I, I'm, f I'm fully aware that I might be complaining about this card being too good in like three weeks. But Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what were they thinking? It's so obviously busted. Gosh. <laughs> um, but the fact that it doesn't have haste is a huge difference. Like... Phoenix is yeah. so hard because you they just attack you out of nowhere, and this can't. Um, and also, when it gets really huge, it can't block either. So, um, I don't know. Maybe this and Flame Skull could be pretty interesting. I think we'll have we'll to see. have to see. Um, another card I wanted to talk about that it, no one else is talking about. <laughs> yeah, classic, classic. classic. All right, <laughs> so this is Boneyard Aberration. I was going to ask if it was the Skeleton Dog. Okay, yes, it is the Skeleton Dog. Asked, You're right. No, so close. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, four and a black for a 3-3 three, three Skeleton Dog, and when it dies, you exile it. Uh, and if you do, you get to conjure three reassembling Skeleton cards into your graveyard. So the reason that I think this is interesting is that, well, number one, the art is a Skeleton Dog, except for the skulls are human <laughs> heads. So... And it's like a Cerberus kind of thing. Yeah, it's a three-headed dog. Is that what a three-headed dog is? Yeah, so it's a three-headed dog, except for the heads are human skulls, not dog skulls. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, it's strange. Why is it a dog? Anyway, um, but this card was actually already printed as one of the mystery booster, like, playtest cards. And... It's oh, almost word okay, for word cool. exactly the same as that playtest card. So it's really cool to see that they've already been, you know, those playtest cards were playing outside the, the, the physical world for a lot of them. And it's really yeah. awesome that they're like, hey, we already had these designs. We've been thinking about this stuff for a really long time, actually. We can actually do this right. now. Boom. Um, will this... I could, I could appreciate that. Yeah, that's the main story about this card. I'm not excited for it, really. But... Um, I was like, it's just so expensive. Oh, What's no. What's he going to say about Oh, no, no. I don't think it's very good at all, and you shouldn't really play it. But the story behind yeah. it I thought was <laughs> worth uh, reiterating because, um, hey, you know, we might see more of those. You Like, if you're interested in seeing if any of these cards or any more cards are going to be added to Historic that are digital only, go look through all those mystery booster random test cards because those cards could be added to Historic because <laughs> they already are doing it right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's pretty neat. Yeah. Uh, another card I wanted to talk about, getting down to the common level here, mm -hmm. Plague Crafter's Familiar. This is a one and a black for a 1-1 one, one rat with Death Touch. And when it enters the battlefield, choose a creature card in your hand. That card perpetually gains Death Touch. Um, I just think this is a cool design. I don't know if this is any good, really. Um, but I like the idea of, of playing with perpetually that's not just stats. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, 
and the fact that this does it to a creature in your hand is a little different because a lot of the perpetually cards feel like they could just be auras and will mostly play like auras most of the time. Mm -hmm. You know, there will be at corner cases where they're different, but for the most part, they're just auras that don't trigger your SRAM. Mm -hmm. And so... Sucks. This one actually feels like a, a new use of perpetually or a, a cool use of perpetually to me that's still simple it's still a common but it's actually like an aura doesn't do this an aura doesn't do what this exactly does. i also think it's nice that they there is a cycle of them so there's like a white version a blue version a red version and a green version of the playcrafters familiar mm -hmm. um now as you were saying all of them give uh a keyword except for the green one, which just pumps it, which is like, womp, womp. not as exciting, but, you <laughs> yeah. know, green stuff has to be big, you know? And this card in particular combos with Goblin Chain Whirler. Ooh, so put, yuck. Put that on your Goblin Chain Whirler, uh, and it's like a version of that Jund combo from Guilds of Ravnica Standard or whatever, where you'd, oh, gross. you'd hit him yeah. with, with Death Touch while the trigger's on the stack. This facilitates it slightly. Now, you still have to go... One, one in a black on turn two into triple red on turn three, but um, you basically turn your Chain Whirler into a... Wrath. Uh, into a 3-3 three, three, um, Wrath, basically. Mm -hmm. But it leaves the 3-3 three, three around, and uh, the nice thing about the fact that this is digital now is, like, in the past, if you were to do something like this, you would have had to reveal the Chain Whirler to prove it's a creature. And this, I don't think you have to do no. that. I don't think your opponent's going to know that you have the Chain Whirler with Death They Touch. only know a card in your hand. Actually, do they even know? That's one thing that'll be interesting. I don't think it'll even tell you if it doesn't, if it misses. It might, like, like I wonder if there's going to be, like, a split second where you can tell that they're choosing, and you're like, they have something in their hands going to happen. Oh, it. yeah, in, in traditional arena style. Yeah, <laughs> you have to, like, play the pauses. But um, mm -hmm. but yeah, I agree. I think that's really cool, and definitely the death touch is super super sweet. I did want to talk about a new a, a, a card that we've seen many times, but a new wording on this card, uh, which uh, is I, I I don't know how are they going to define this. Uh, I think I know how they're going to define it, but it's kind of strange. So uh, sky shroud ambush. Do you though? Yeah, is one in a green for an instant. And it says, target creature you control fights target creature you don't control. All right, that's a magic card. Normal. Mm -hmm. It says, when the creature you control wins the fight, draw a card. So I'm assuming yeah. that winning the fight means that your creature survives and theirs does not. Because um, that's what, that makes sense. Um, so it's not that... It would be pretty surprising if it was anything else. Yeah. So I don't think it's super confusing. And you could probably play this in paper, but I guess it's just there's some rules thing that would make it really just a nightmare to to prove who wins a fight um yeah. and there could just be a weird you know arguments about this but um anyway it doesn't seem ridiculous to put this into paper but uh i'm glad we have wins now and you could just say hey i won the we're gonna fight and i'm gonna win like that's kind of <laughs> that's funny <laughs> totally uh and i agree with everything you said except i'm not sure i agree that it it's not that confusing because I was thinking about this because you brought it mm -hmm. up right in your uh, in our Discord, and so you were we were like okay it must be if my creature survives and their creature dies. The for example does that mean that if I have Leyline of the Void in play and their creature goes to exile instead of the graveyard that I did not win the fight? 
So you know, like there's a whole bunch of interactions with stuff like that. That's they're gonna they have figured out. They have made a decision. They just haven't told us what that decision is, and that might change whether I play this card or not. Yeah. Like if I know I'm not gonna draw a card, I might not cast it. Yeah, but also I wonder if, I wonder if it's just literally, is your creature still on the battlefield and theirs is no longer on the battlefield? Yeah, it could be that too. And it, but our the original way we just said it was their creature dies. That's true. And yours all right, does not. All right. I see. I see how it can be confusing. I get it. So I think it, it is one of those two, right? It's Yeah. Um, okay, it does make sense. I understand. I know that there's a reason why they did it this way, because otherwise they wouldn't have done this way. But I do think it's a kind of confusing card. Uh, but sweet to have it, sure. You know. Uh, fight. Yeah, fight I draw. just don't know how it works. Exactly. <laughs> Because they didn't, they didn't tell me how it works on the card. Hey, it's just like um, the uh, Sarkin. I still don't understand how that card works, even though they tried yeah, to tell right. me, but I don't really know. <laughs> that's kind of a, a rules thing about perpetually, right? Where this is, a, this is a rules thing about only this card says wins on it. So it's kind of a bit different. Exactly. Sarkin's like, I don't know how things interact with perpetually because I've never played with that mechanic. Mm-hmm. Whereas this is like, this is the only card that says that. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, but Jeff, do you have any specific, uh, maybe, maybe one last card you want to talk about before we go on a break? Um, I think the only card that I kind of had my eye on that we haven't talked about yet was just Pool of Vigorous Growth. Just as, uh, I don't know if you ever heard of Momir or played Momir. Yes. But I just think it's nice that they printed Momir card. Yeah. I think uh, a lot of people really like Momir in that event on Arena. It's fairly popular. Uh, so it's cool to, to have this card. Uh, do you want to read it just so everyone knows what it is? Yeah, so it's one in a green artifact. Uh, it has an activated ability of X, tap, and discard a card to create a token that's a copy of a random creature card with mana value X. Activate as a sorcery. So I'm guessing it only pulls from cards that are on Historic, or on Arena, and legal in the format that you're playing yeah probably um so it won't do because one of the things that would happen with momir sometimes is you'd like activate this and get phage the untouchable and lose oh um but because <laughs> you didn't cast it from your hand or whatever so then whatever phage says it's like when it atvs if you didn't cast it from your hand you lose yeah uh, but i don't think that's a possibility because phage isn't uh, on arena exactly well, that would be a curveball. You're like, what does Phage cost? Eight? You're like, all right, eight man into this. Let's see what happens. <laughs> something good. And then Phage comes out, and there's like a whole... That would be awesome. If they did that, and they only put Phage on there just to screw people over with this, um, like a yeah. weird dice roll that they didn't know that they were rolling. And, right. and so yeah. Phage comes in, and they even have like a whole animation and everything of like Phage just like touching your cards and just making them disintegrate. That'd be pretty sweet. Yeah, so I just thought this was a cool nod to a format that people like. Yeah. And <laughs> I mean, I really hope they do throw Phage in here. You know, that's <laughs> one of the cards that gets spoiled tomorrow. But <laughs> oh, um, I don't think this card's very good, though. No, no, I don't think it's very good either. And I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of the Momir thing. Um, it's kind of fun to play a little bit, but I, I, it's kind of worn itself Yeah, I out. personally never got yeah. into it, but I like the idea of giving a, a nod to the, the people who... Absolutely, it. especially because we play a lot of it on Arena. That's a very popular thing, so it's nice mm-hmm. to keep that in the Arena family. Um, and when I was saying that I hope it makes Phage, I don't want them to put Phage 
and historic. I want it to be a card that oh, is just random and just. I see. <laughs> okay, they just have added it to this card's exactly, coming. and it's that's yeah. the only way you can get Phage into the battlefield, and you just die. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I want. I don't really need them to uh, to actually add that to the format. Um, sure. But yeah. Anyway, that'd be great. Uh, there may be some of these cards that we talk about in the next half uh, that kind of work with other cards. But for the most part, mm-hmm. yeah, it's they all seem pretty chill and fine. Um, they'll be fun to play in the jumpstart packs, and uh, yeah, and they're for the most part, most of them aren't really targeted at ranked constructed exactly. historic play. These are cards you'll see in the historic brawl queues, probably. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, but with that, Jeff, I need another beer. So how about we go on a beer break? Let's do it. Oh, Lodestar. Oh, this color is really nice in this. I know, the color wasn't quite what I expected. Were you thinking it was going to be a bit darker? It's kind of a bright pink. Yeah, I was imagining like a dark purple, because plums I think of as being dark purple. Yeah, but just the skin, the inside isn't so dark. So I guess when you mix it together, it kind of makes this pinkish. It's similar to like the can color. I like that. Yeah, mine's not. All right, Jeff, you ready to get into these uh, new cards? I guess uh, old cards that are coming to Arena, which feel brand new. Uh, yeah, so a lot of them are brand new to us because I didn't play any Modern Horizons. So. Like anything, yeah. And most of these yeah. cards are from Modern Horizons, one and two. So, hooray. And some of them, I'm reading them for the first time recently. I'm like, oh, this is a card. Cool. That's right. Mm-hmm. So where do you want to start? I was thinking maybe we could start with just talking about how much tribal there is absolutely i think that's a great starting point yeah so now there is a caveat i guess that you know they've included support for i don't know at least 10 tribes like yeah there are a lot of tribal stuff going on here where you just have a few important cards that help those archetypes and historic let's be honest competitive historic is not going to be dominated by all these tribal decks so um, a lot of this is a way to give you a way to play your favorite tribe in Historic Brawl. But I actually think there's some power bumps here to some, you know, tribes that could push them into, you know, Tier 2 in Historic and some of them even Tier 1. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, at first, I was pretty surprised to see all the different tribes. Um, uh-huh. I was like, what? Why are, we, why are we adding slivers to Historic? I'm kind of confused. And, uh, like, the squirrels felt more, uh, felt more on theme because there's a lot of squirrels in the um, Modern Horizon stuff. So I'm like, okay, that makes sense. I guess they're popular. But then the more I was looking yeah. at everything, I was like, oh, it feels like there are a ton of cards that are just tribal cards. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I definitely think that what we were saying earlier is that a lot of these cards are coming in because they are for 100-card Historic Brawl. So that's great. That's awesome. There are some sweet commanders coming in here, too. So check all those out if you want to build those decks. It just seems like tons of fun. That's basically a lot of this set just looks like a ton of fun. And it's not going to... Totally. Like, we're getting injected the mother load of extra cards into Historic. And there might be just a handful that could be a problem. Just wait until I'm horribly wrong and, like, everything's busted. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Everything's busted. Yeah, are there any tribes that uh, you know spoke to you in particular? Um, 
Well, I do like squirrels. I think that's fun. And the bear things. Yeah. But uh, I really think the one that actually popped out the most, which is really surprising to me, actually, was the, uh, the merfolk tribe, actually. Yeah, so they just got some you know, A-list merfolk spoiled yeah. today. Like, um, massive ones. So we got um, Master of the Pearl Trident, huge, all-star for a long mm-hmm. time. And yeah, it's basically Lord of Atlantis. Yeah, it's basically Lord of Atlantis. Uh, for those of you that have been playing long enough to know that card. Yeah, and then um, I don't know how to say this name. I th- I think it's Svelun. Svelun. Okay, I like that. Or Svelun because the Y comes first. Huh? Yeah, Svelun of the Sea and Sky. Okay, I can mm-hmm. see that. Um, and this one's a new Modern Horizons uh, two card, but uh, both of these seem like huge heavy hitters like oh damn i have seen merfolk decks in the past but this is like oh mono blue merfolk uh fuck you and you can also play the uh the simic merfolk too because of a new digital card that we didn't talk about earlier but i do think (laughs) would go in this deck or at least you would try out for a little bit because it seems pretty interesting so it's shoreline scout which is a blue mana for a 1-1, one, one, and when it enters the battlefield, you can exile a merfolk or a land card from your hand, and you get to conjure up a tropical island card into your hand. Yeah, that's pretty good for smoothing out your hand. Feels really good. Like, mm-hmm. it changes all of your bad hands or mulligans into, well, I can turn one, play the, the shoreline scout, and then I can turn any creature I don't need into a land that I need, or turn any, oh, I only have... Islands? Sweet. Well, now I'm going to have a green source because I'm going to go get this or anything. Totally. So I think yeah, I this think is definitely worth, cool card. worth making. <laughs> like, it just yeah. seems the strongest to me. Yeah, I mean, the, they got two really strong lords just added. So, And it already had some strong cards from, like the, like you're talking about the Simic Merfolk from Ixalan. the Ixalan block. Yeah. Um, like it had the Kumena guy and, you know, it already had another two-mana lord that gets plus one, plus one, or whatever, to all your merfolk. I already had some strong stuff going on, so wouldn't be surprised and if you could see a you know merfolk deck backed up by a few spell pierce kind of thing going on. Exactly. Um, also seems sweet that, you know, island walk will be a problem, where maybe some of your control decks want to have blue sources that aren't islands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, merfolk looks strong. I also think squirrels is awesome, but Realistically, I don't know if it's going to get there as a, as a real deck in Historic. Yeah, I agree. Um, they've also added... I thought you were going to talk about Zombies, because I know you have a love for that tribe. I do. Um, they've, they've added some pretty high-power zombie cards, too, with the Dark Salvation and Diagraph Colossus. Uh, these were kind of the cards that made Zombies the best deck in Standard when, when these cards were around. I don't know if they'll be able to, to do that much heavy lifting in, in a, this higher power format but i i did love that deck because it was a tribal deck that was just built entirely around grinding like you could get these draws that were explosive and you have 100 creatures by turn three you could also get these draws where you just had the crypt breaker or whatever and you're just out drawing your control opponents so even when they wrath of god you would get a five for one you're still ahead on cards and i thought that was a really cool deck yeah that is I, do we have we don't have crypt, crypt breaker in our uh, in historic do we I think we do yeah I think it was printed in a previous add-on to historic 
Yeah, Kurt Fraker was in Historic Anthology one. There you go. But overall, like, probably whatever your favorite tribe is, like, even if it's ninjas or slivers or squirrels, you know, uh, you're going to be able to play that in Historic Brawl. And I feel like probably at the start, the Historic queues are going to be just riddled with tribal decks, too. Like, oh. everyone's going to want to test out their favorite tribe, you know? Oh, of course. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm also pretty excited for ninjas. I liked ninjas quite a bit, and Ninja at the Deep Hours was one of my favorites, so it's nice to see it joining the, the format. Totally. Also makes some of those popper uh, uh, events a lot more interesting because Ninja at the Deep Hours is a really good popper card. That's true, yeah. And, like, humans has always been kind of close and historic, and they just got Thalia's Lieutenant, which is, like, a, just a huge card for them. Uh, Goblins got some black cards, so maybe now you're gonna have two ways to build goblins either like mono red turbo moxus kind of style or or black red in a in a grindier kind of setup yeah i like that i like that grindiness this this um sling glade oh my god my mouth is already all over the place um yeah sling gang lieutenant that yeah, card, that card always, looks awesome always seems super sweet especially because we can play siege gang commander as well yeah, like, you might find that Goblins doesn't even play Muxus anymore because it, these cards are just cheaper and, and will win the game by turn six on their own. Exactly. Yeah. You know, maybe they just play Muxus in game one and then side out Muxus for a grindier. Yeah, there's effort. lots of stuff you could do. I so. like that. That's a cool idea. Yeah, I'm hoping this pushes at least one or two different tribal decks up into tier one. You know, we've already talked about Elves. Elves has been around for a while as a fringe deck. Because I just, I think... Uh, tribal is just good magic, and it's like, like it always brings me back to being a kid when everyone had their tribal decks and like yeah, the tribes all played differently. Absolutely, I mean, like when I started playing, it was legions, so that was literally exactly what we were doing, and this is all I thought magic was was tribes was so cool, um, and I know yeah. it's a really big point uh, entry point for players. Uh, so mm -hmm. having you know. I haven't played a ton of, like, Brawl, but since Historic Brawl's coming, I will for sure sit down and put together, like, a, a sweet Tribal Brawl deck, because now I can. And I'm like, sick. And I can play that whenever I want, as opposed to before, where it felt like I could only play it for a couple days. Now I can play it if I ever... If I ever uh, drink too much in a draft and have to stop drafting, and I need something to do... <laughs> Playing, playing like drunken historic brawl sounds amazing perfect there's like no repercussions i can just have a good time perfect. totally that's yeah. exactly what i need at that point yeah i'm gonna have to look through my collection and see what what commanders stick out to me yeah absolutely um i do want to point out the artwork on one card <laughs> Of course, yeah, because you haven't commented on enough art. Today. No, no, no. I mean, I'll definitely do a lot more of it, too. Um, so uh, we are getting another, like, wizard tribal card, uh, which I've always thought was pretty interesting. It's almost exactly like one of the ones we got in Dominaria, the, like, blue uh, legend. But Harmonic Prodigy is, like, a red version. It's, like, a 1-3 for 2. It has prowess and, like, shaman and wizard things trigger or whatever blah blah it doesn't really matter i don't care about that all that stuff all i want to say about this card <laughs> is that it looks like uh kung fu hustle you know remember in kung fu oh, hustle yeah. <laughs> there's like these two guys who play like this big string thing and it shoots like these sword things at that uh the the people that they're fighting in this village 
and that's exactly what this person it looks like they're playing and even though like the flavor text is like each note strikes with deadly precision awesome yeah love it <laughs> i'm definitely not going to play wizards or any of those things but that i would have never looked at that card except for the art look like that i'm like oh shit it's kung fu hustle it's awesome great movie <laughs> <laughs> Now I'm going to have to craft it. <laughs> Just for that. It's a rare, whatever. Four. Yeah. <laughs> Four. <laughs> Never play it. Should we just make a Kung Fu Hustle deck? Just <laughs> what, yeah, we'll what have to. Cards Kung fit? Fu Hustle Historic Brawl deck. <laughs> we need Deflecting Palm really badly for that then. We, it, oh, true, we don't have yeah. Deflecting Palm yet, do we? We need to petition. I don't think so. Petition to get yeah. Deflecting Palm so that we can make our Kung Fu Hustle deck. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. You got to play, like, what, Monk of the Open Hand or something? Perfect. Love it. Yeah, Master master of Flowers. Master of Flowers. Yeah. Yeah. We can't turn him into a dragon, though, because that... No, that's that too much. That doesn't really fit. That doesn't really happen. But, uh, so you can only... You, ha- you have to let them attack him, because he can't go down on his own? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway... Um, are there only like non-tribal cards that you think like, oh, this seems pretty sweet. Like either this is going to add to a existing deck or maybe it's becoming a deck in itself. Yeah. So one deck I always kind of have my eye on just because I like it, but I never feel like it's actually good is, uh, like red, black pyromancer or red, black arcanist, you know, Mm -hmm. whichever, whichever name you prefer. And there's actually a lot of just individually powerful cards in this set that play well with that deck's strategy so the first one is seasoned pyromancer which is one red red for a two two when it etbs you discard two then draw two and create an elemental for each non-land you discarded and then you can also pay five and exile from your graveyard to get two one ones this card has proven to be like really good in those types of strategies in modern gives you another way to faithless looting fill up your graveyard it just is a good mid-range card it provides four bodies a lot of the time and then he maybe even two more later on. So I like that guy. And then just, you know, Dragon's Rage Chandler. It's just a one mana 3-3 three, three flying with upside. So it's like pretty crazy. Yeah. In a deck that can fill its graveyard reliably, this is a one mana 3-3 three, three flying. Yeah, and we have decks that do that in the format already. So new toys for decks ex- that already exist. Yeah. And then there's just, you know, a bunch of random stuff on top of that. But those are kind of the two that has me looking towards that deck for sure. Yeah. For Arcanist, I do like bo- that addition of Bone Shards. Yeah, um, that's another really good one. Yeah, because uh, right now they're playing the uh, the same. It's like a sorcery speed, one mana, sacrifice a creature, destroy a tiger creature, or planeswalker. But the added... It's like Bone Splinters or something. It's very similar. It's very similar. But I like that you could also discard a card because there are situations in that deck where I want to be able to play it and I have an extra land or something I can get rid of or maybe uh, something I'm going to recur. It doesn't matter if it goes in the graveyard. So being able to just spend one mana and discard a card to also kill a Planeswalker is a lot better, in my opinion, than having to spend, like, five. Totally, yeah. Because if you don't have your Pyromancer out to generate the elementals to sacrifice for free, that card gets... Oh, I think it's called Spark Harvest, actually. Spark Harvest? That card gets gets a lot worse. Yeah, it it gets significantly worse. So um, I do like the addition of that. That's pretty, pretty sweet. But... Like, obviously, I'm really interested in seeing what the enchantments are going to do. So I was thinking, uh, Scythus? Is that, is that how you say it? Scythus? Scythus? Harvester's I Hand? would say Scythus, I think. Okay. But, 
Uh, I honestly don't know. Yeah. All right. So we'll go with Sithis. Uh, Sithis, Harvester's Hand, which is the enchantress that uh, is Celestia. So a lot, all the like enchantment decks right now are either Azorius or Orzov or Silverquill, I guess. Um, and so this would be an, either another version or like adding green to one of those decks if you wanted to get another enchantress or just a different type of one. Or maybe we, it, instead of just being auras, it, it branches out into doing other enchantments because we also got Sterling Grove and we got Sanctum Weaver, which are pretty big for those decks. It, it seems like there's some recipe for a deck in there somewhere. I don't know if it's yeah. like a new prison deck using nine lives and solemnity <laughs> but it could be and then you just could be really interesting and sterling grove Ugh. Ugh. yeah because <laughs> you can't target it sterling grove goes gets the pieces you need and then when you have them out sanctum weaver it lets you play your uh what is it your uh approach to the second sun really quickly so that sounds like something <laughs> It sounds like something that I hope is not good, but <laughs> at the very least, I have to imagine Sithis. It's it's worse than your other enchantresses in in the current builds of like Orzavoras, say. Mm -hmm. But those decks are so reliant on the enchantress that it's probably worth just jamming it in, anyways. Exactly. Yeah, like the deck is already mostly white, so you just splash a little green. I don't know. It would this would be you know enchantress nine through twelve, but it would really ramp up the consistency of of what you're doing yeah i do like the addition of nettle cyst as like a do you want this or do you not want this you don't really play mm -hmm. equipment but this is an extra like reliable um all that glitters so i um that also just makes a creature which can be really important in some cases where you just you you only have your auras and you need a creature really badly. This is both. So, hmm. But it works better in a SRAM thing. I don't know. It, I don't know. There might be something there, but they might be traps. You know what I mean? Might be a bunch of traps. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there's going to be somebody just beating everyone who's trying the new cards with their Orzhov Auras deck. But. <laughs> yeah. But, like, what's the fun in that? I mean, there's probably a lot yeah. of fun in that, but... I... <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather just complain about those people. Yeah. As they kick my ass. Yeah. I did want to ask you, so uh, we are getting a bunch of slivers for the first time. We had touched on it quickly in, in tribal things, but like, do you think there there is a recipe for a slivers deck? I don't think I've really played against, um, I don't know, is modern slivers a thing? Are, are slivers relevant at all? Or is it just for fun? Modern slivers like pretty bad. It's, you know, one of those things that some people play, but. It's not really. It's fr super fringe. Okay. I just I'm not seeing the enough really powerful slivers here. Like, I don't know. You're comparing predatory sliver. Okay, it's a one one for two slivers you control get plus one plus one. Then another tribe like Merfolk gets Master of the Pearl Trident, which is also a two drop, but also gives Island Walk. You know. Yeah. And so it just feels like the the things slivers are doing aren't aren't stacking up to the lords that are coming out in the other tribes. Definitely. Yeah, and their mana constrictions are so rough, I think, that you have to be able to focus on, you know, two or three colors, and um, mm -hmm. it just doesn't always get there. But even though I kind of wished it would, but 
there may be somebody who comes through and, and makes the, the this great sliver stick, but um, or or at least one that'll get you. Not maybe not great, but one that'll surprise you. Oh, I will lose to slivers yeah. for sure. There's no question about that. <laughs> Uh, I think it's mostly here, though, for Historic Brawl. You want to play your first sliver as Absolutely. your commander, get your sliver deck going. Yep. A lot of people really, really enjoy that. Totally. Um, but we did get hardened scales. That's good. Yeah. So, you know, there's always been people testing out these kind of Abzan or green-white uh, plus-one, plus-one counters decks, and they kind of revolve around abilities like this, but... Those abilities are currently, before this set, have been stapled to, to Grizzly Bears. Mm -hmm. And so getting one that's a one-mana enchantment really ups the power level of this deck. Absolutely. I still would need to see it, because I think when you don't have stuff like Walking Ballista, the deck just gets so much worse. But mm -hmm. I, could, I could see it, you know. I, I could see it being good. Yeah. Is, like, the best thing, turn one Hardened Scales, turn two uh, Luminarch Aspirin? And then you have a 3-3. Three, three. Yeah, that's, that's that's not bad. That's not terrible. It's not, like, you know... Busted. that good, though. You're still yeah. just attacking for 5, five. on turn 3. It's, mm. like, pretty good, I that's guess. Not, I mean, that seems pretty good. It does. I guess you, even more if you play a, another, for lack of a better term, plus 1, plus 1 counter board yeah. on turn 3. <clears throat> yeah. Could be interesting, though. Uh, I definitely think this is one of the pieces that it really needs, like, this... Especially in the one mana slot, like, hey, uh, some of those decks will will probably be popping up as well. So, yeah, absolutely. And also, yeah. just the addition of parallel lives as well um, for token decks. Yeah, no, we kind of already had something like this, right? Yeah, so we, had, we have uh, the white one, the uh, Anointed Procession. Yes, that's the one. Um, so this just kind of, if you're playing green white tokens, this gives you another. Another copy of your most powerful card, I guess. Yeah. Still think it's just a four mana enchantment that doesn't do anything right away is probably not good not good enough for historic, but uh, yeah. I mean, this will be breaking arena, right? People were already breaking arena with anointed procession. That's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Creating way too many tokens. Especially against Sparky, for sure. Yeah. But I wonder, like, is there anything with anointed procession, parallel lives, and Sarah the benevolent, where you just like make two four four angels or more? Maybe. I mean, that's still just like all of those are four drops. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's, it is. That is true. They're all four drops. <laughs> so it's like, I don't know, if you pull that off, your opponent probably deserves, deserves to lose. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and so, so Sarah the Benevolent, another cool planeswalker that I like that they added it here because it never really got off the ground in modern. It just mm -hmm. wasn't really good enough. Um, but there are people that play the kind of blue-white flyers deck in Historic as a budget option, and so now they have a Mythic Rare that they can put at their top end if they want to upgrade their budget deck. That's really true, yeah. One, one new deck, potentially new deck, that I'm pretty excited about to move off of kind of existing archetypes, although I guess we were already doing that with our anointed procession, Sarah Angel. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a real archetype. Sorry that I have like garbage archetypes to talk about. <laughs> no, this one's probably not going to be good either. Okay, this perfect. Be fun. Um, I am looking at Restoration Angel, and I want to do. We already have Ephemerate, right? That came with Strixhaven. Yeah. 
So I want to do like a Bant Blink kind of deck, you know? Ooh. Relive the glory days of that. Um, so they gave us Restoration Angel and they gave us Soul Herder. And both of these go in this kind of Bant Blink deck. And I'm just imagining blinking Thrag Tusk and blinking Timeless Witness every turn. And just all value with no real way to actually win the game. That's what I'm thinking about. <laughs> that does sound good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I do like that. Uh, just blinky stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not even going to attack with my Thrag Tusk. I'm just going to blink it. And just like... Gain five, make a 3-3. Three, three, perfect. Pass. I mean, that sounds pretty great to me. I, I, you know, just just gaining some life, just dicking around and playing, <laughs> playing things, totally. bouncing things, entering the battlefield. Uh, that sounds good. Restoration Angel is a great card, so. Yeah, totally. And they gave us Blade Splicer. You know, that's another good blink target. And yeah, this actually reminds me. So um, we are getting Vesper Lark. So yep. uh, yep. Vesper Lark was a new card uh that was kind of a version of what was the other one? Something Lark, um, Revelark. Revelark. There you go. Uh, so this is a smaller version of Revelark, okay. and basically it's a two-one with flying for three. That when it leaves the battlefield, return target creature card with power one or less from your graveyard to the battlefield, and you can evoke it for one and a white, um, which would do that immediately. So basically, what we're finding out is that the card Davriel's Withering, which is one of the new digital only cards, gives a creature minus one, minus two perpetually. I'm just going to start saying perpetually after now. You're going to say it the way they should have. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Of course, of course. Why would I not? (laughs) Um, But anyway, so if you give Vesper Lark minus one, minus two perpetually, it's going to be a, a one minus one. So when it dies it finds a creature with power one or less which it is a creature with power one or less now that is a perpetually one you return to the battlefield it immediately dies and you just do that over and over and over and over again it will you will continually to get uh enters the battlefield and dies triggers so if you have any card like a blood artist or anything like that that mm-hmm. lets you gain life or you know ping your opponent for one for every time a creature enters the battlefield or dies you win as long as arena's rope lets you <laughs> right <laughs> which isn't a guarantee it is not a guarantee but but you'll certainly be able to do it the, yeah you know 19 times or whatever yeah and there are two blood artists in historic right there's the black white uh gold one mm-hmm. and then there's also blood artist itself yeah so there you go no that sounds like it doesn't sound out of the question as a combo deck. Yeah. You know? Because all of these cards are kind of okay on their own. Like, the Vesper, like, already gets you back your Blood Artist if it's dead or mm-hmm. whatever. So it could be a thing. It could be a thing. There is a lot of hate for it, so I don't think it's going to be this busted deck. And people are, you know, after they die once, they're going to be like, all right, I this is a thing that I'm going to squash. But totally. it does seem pretty yeah, fun. If you wanted to beat that deck, you could beat that deck. Yeah. You know? They're still going to be have, whatever, eight, four Thoughtseize, four Inquisition of Kozilek to try and snag your uh, uh, Graph Digger's Cage or Rest in Peace or whatever mm-hmm. it is that you brought in. 
but uh, it's going to be pretty hard for them to beat Leyline, so for sure. that'll just start in play, and then they will lose. Yeah, at least if you're playing white, so you can blow up enchantment, so that's good. I don't seems seems cool. I was thinking when you said Vesperlark, I'm just thinking, like, play Elementals, you know, this brings back your Risen Reef, like, let's go. Oh, okay. <laughs> like a Bant Risen, because usually Risen Reef, Super you're playing... Super fair version of Elementals. Yeah, I was going to say... Much more fair than with the wind direction you took. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, and, I, you know, I didn't make up that myself. I definitely have seen that places. So I just think everyone should know that Vesperlark and Davriel's Withering is cool. Also, just because it's Vesperlark would not be able to do this without a card that perpetually makes it this way. Uh, right, yeah. It's a cool kind of showcase of how the new mechanic is something that wouldn't happen in paper. Exactly. But it is kind of funny that, like, the result of it is just an instant win combo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a three-card combo. So yeah, so it's not crazy. You could also just... Without, without the Blood Artist, you're not doing anything. Well, you can draw. You, you'll you just dr make the match draw. <laughs> so there's that, if you want to do that. Oh, Vesperlark isn't a May. So if, if Vesperlark was, like, your only... Creature, yeah. ...option, mm -hmm. you'd have would draw? Yeah. But if you had another option, you'd just be wasting your own timer, I think, until you eventually picked that other option. Yeah, I, I think so. But uh, I don't know how Arena handles draws, but... I think they just say, draw? I don't know. <laughs> well, a lot of the time, Arena will be like, if you don't take a different action, the game will end in a draw. Gotcha. And then you're like, I will it's not... It's like, hey, stop doing that. I stop doing yeah, that. I will not take a different action. <laughs> right. Oh, gosh. But yeah, anyway, besides those, I mean, overall... I mean, are, okay, I did want to ask, are you excited for uh, Yawgmoth, Thran Physician? <laughs> so, unless they give me some undying creatures, I'm not. Okay. <laughs> I was really excited to see Yawgmoth, because it's my favorite deck in Modern. But it's a combo card. Yawgmoth is not a reasonable, like, it doesn't really do anything on its own. And so, as is, like, I don't know, maybe this will show up in some build of humans in the sideboard or something, who knows? Or as a, like, card to fight the humans deck, because it has protection from humans. But this is a combo card, and they haven't given us the other combo pieces, so. Yeah. Well, we do have, like, a bunch of commons on commons that we don't see yet, so there could be some of those pieces in there. Um, Maybe. Because a lot of those are commons on the commons, so we will have to see. Here's, here's hoping. Here's to hoping. <laughs> yeah. But overall, like, I, I'm feeling uh, just excited for this new world of historic we're going to have, which is just, like, stuff. Here's cards and things. Ugh. I'm yeah, it, <laughs> that's that should be their tagline. Exactly, you know? that's what it feels like. Here's cards and things. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm uh, I'm just excited for whatever this is. Yeah, I think one other card that I'm really interested in that I think just got spoiled pretty much is Archmage's Charm. Mm -hmm. So it's blue, 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 and you get a bunch of options. You can counter, or you can draw two, or you can gain control of a non-land permanent. I guess I, I don't know about excited. I kind of hate cards that let you either counter or draw because I think they take the gameplay out of <laughs> out of playing a control deck because yeah. you never have to decide which one we, you're going to do yeah. until you know the answer. Um, but this card, what I like about it is that it, for the past little while, you know, Jeskai has been the control deck. 
because it's it has lightning helix and stuff like that. But it's hard to play this card in Jeskai. It costs blue, blue, blue. And this card is good enough that you might want to go back to like blue-white control. Oh. So it might revitalize the blue-white control decks um, because Archmage's Charm is just good enough that it's better than making your mana bad and playing Lightning Helix or whatever. Absolutely. So if they're going to print some help for control, I like that it's something like this where, okay, now it's not just a free roll to play Jeskai or to play Esper or whatever. Yeah, okay, I, I see that. I, I agree because, you know, it, it's nice when cards are push you into specific colors with their mana costs. Rather than when it's just like, oh, my control deck, I just play everything because the mana's so good. And I can't, yeah. Because then, obviously, busted fucking cards come out of that. <laughs> or it's just yeah. horrible situations. So if you're a fan of blue-white control, you know, it might be back on the menu. Teferi Hero Dominario just entered the chat. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and they can play the new Kiora, you know, so that's pretty sweet. That, yeah, with <laughs> with Teo, so boom, there you go. <laughs> you can get that combo going. Perfect. Note that we do not actually advise spending wild cards <laughs> in this deck. <laughs> oh, jeez. But um, anyway, that's basically how I feel about these cards, the ones that we have so far. Yeah, I mean, are there any other pieces of art that you have strong feelings about? Or Ooh, I feel like there probably is, but... <laughs> yeah, I feel that way as well. <laughs> um, I just want to quickly go back to Kiora. <laughs> so, but this is actually worth looking for and finding. So on the uh, card, on Planeswalker cards, mm -hmm. they always make art big enough for the actual card, and then all the text goes over it. So there is art. You can see her feet. Like, it goes all yeah. the way down. So in the corner, on the bottom, if you see the actual piece of art in the water, you can see a clownfish and a whatever the other one is. But basically, it's Dory like and Nemo. Nemo. This is dad. Oh. I don't remember his name. Interesting. So they knew this person that made this piece of art <laughs> that... Yeah. They wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to see that in the actual right. card, but they add it as a little Easter egg. So it's definitely worth going that out, cool. checking I out. I like that. Um, another reason why Kiora's art is pretty <laughs> sweet. So yeah, that was worth that was worth it. Yeah. <laughs> did they also do Sarah? They did. Sarah the Benevolent is also the same artist as Kiora. Yeah. Wow. Magali uh, does a lot of stuff. So they did uh, Chandra Torch of Defiance, mm -hmm. like a lot of the the big art pieces for Planeswalkers. Walkers. And a lot of the really cool art, like they did negate one version of negate where the merfolk's like blasting something off. Oh, I can actually always tell their their art because the way they paint magic is very, like magical spells mm -hmm. is very kind of unique to them. Uh, uh, and I'm actually a fan of, of their pieces, but I never noticed this giant perspective thing, so I have to keep an eye. Yeah, out keep an eye out for when uh, when these planeswalkers are looking down on you and they're going to step on you i guess yeah because just like the strength in chandra is so visceral uh that it mm -hmm. really comes through a lot of uh their other pieces wow yeah actually through this entire thing go check out just a bunch of um magali's work because it's uh it's pretty sick oh man new favorite artist maybe i've been a fan for a while feel like i just it just felt like magic but now that I'm specifically looking for it, mm -hmm. it's pretty sweet. 
All right, Jeff, do you have any last thoughts about anything before we, we go to last call? Uh, yeah, I think this looks awesome. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm really excited. I'm going to start playing Historic once this drops. Uh, I'll probably, you know, start with a few commons and uncommons because I think my wildcard uh, collection might be a wee bit low right now. But as uh, soon as some some of the decks start to emerge a bit more, I'm excited to, to play this new format because, you know, they're printing a lot of powerful creatures, which I like, you know. With Strixhaven, they printed a lot of powerful spells. Uh, and now they're trying to balance that out a bit by printing strong creatures. That is a really good point, and I hadn't really thought of that until now. But yes, I'm really happy they're putting a lot of good creatures into the format, um, because I like creatures, and this yeah. going to be sweet. Uh, but I agree. I've been trying to play Historic uh, recently, and it just feels strange, because I know it's going to just be so weird and different after this this moment that uh totally what's the point <laughs> you always get that like pre-rotation feeling of like mm -hmm. why am i even playing this you know <laughs> exactly unless you want your your last hurrah for your auras deck you know yeah i've been trying to play some well it's already gone once brainstorm was gone i couldn't play uh azorius so oh well anyway ready for the last call here we go sure am jeff are you ready for the last beers of the night I sure am. Perfect. Here we go. Let's see what we picked. Three, two, one. Okay. There you go. Perfect. We picked our own. We did. Um, I thought it might have had you this time with the sour. Uh, yeah, it was close. Um, I just thought this one was so interesting. <laughs> I wanted to taste it again. Yeah, I want to taste it again. Guess that's a good reason to pick it. Basically. <laughs> Weird. I wanted another one. I wanted another one, and that's why I picked it. And yeah. the other one, I was like, huh. Um, sweet. So we rate our beers because why would we not? That's important. We, we need to yeah, know what the best beer is. Um, <laughs> and, of course, we rate them on a scale of bronze to mythic, which is the tears in Arena. Whoa. <laughs> Nuts. Genius, I would say. As always, it doesn't have anything to do with the tier that you are at currently, or we are at, or whatever. This is just a fun way to rank beers. And with that, bronze beer is trash. It's garbage. We hate it. <laughs> um, you don't drink it. You never, ever open it or drink it again. Yeah. Silver is uh, basically nothing too interesting going on here, so uh, most macro brews would tend to fall into this category, and then the less interesting micro brews. Uh, gold is, yeah, it's fine, but you probably won't drink it again. Platinum is solid. You probably will drink it again. Diamond is, this is exceptional, and you're going to recommend it to somebody. And Mythic is the best of the best. You would recommend this to anyone who will listen, even a stranger at the liquor store. Boom. Perfect. So, which one do you want to start with? Let's uh, do the opposite of last week. What was that? Um, which I don't remember what we did last week. So Perfect. Uh, let's go yeah. with the Thai PA. Because uh -huh. it's fun to say. <laughs> I'll start. Obviously, I picked it. Um, so, super different, super weird. Uh, that's why I like it. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> um, 
The thing is, most of the time when you have a coconut beer, and I've had coconut beers before, they're always stouts. Mm -hmm. So the fact that this wasn't a stout that had coconut flavoring was so different. And I really enjoyed that part of it. I think the coconut... actually true. On the show once, we reviewed a coconut porter. Okay. Oh, all right. Sorry. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. All right. But it, it's... Right, it's <laughs> okay, sorry. So it's not a coconut chocolate type of flavoring. Mm -hmm. It has just like a fresher coconut feel that comes from like some Thai food or curries. Um, the lemongrass doesn't come super through, but I definitely think it contributes to that overall fresh feel to it. And it's not super bitter. This, it just kind of has this coconutiness. I, I just thought it was fun. It's really fun. Yeah. I was going to say pretty much the exact same thing that I didn't get actually lemongrass, but it definitely, it definitely was light and uh, crisp. Mm -hmm. in that way i don't like maybe i didn't get any lemongrass flavor but you could tell that the lemongrass was doing something because it's kind of light in a way that a coconut ipa wouldn't be on its own exactly like it's it's kind of floral and it, there was something it just i wasn't like aha lemongrass yes yeah and it also gives like the ipa a creaminess to it of the coconutty milk almost um mm -hmm. which i like ipas that try to fight against the bitterness uh, and, and have a bit be a little bit more balanced. And I thought this was a really interesting way to do that. Having my second one right now, I don't know how many I would actually have of this beer. Um, mm -hmm. it's, I don't know if it's going to be like that. This is the IPA you should be drinking all the time. But I really I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought. I really got it for kind of the um, just it, it looked different. But I, I'm really liking it. I'm I'm very I'm pleasantly surprised by this type PA. And the name is just so fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it delivered what it promised on like a, a fun like funky beer, you know, For outside sure. of the, what you'll normally get. So, um with that it delivered what it promised. I'm just going to give it platinum. It did what it was mm -hmm. came out to do and uh and I liked it. I could definitely pick this one up again. I don't know if I would tell somebody it's that's the one. Drink that one. But right. I, there will probably be a time in the future where I'm like, oh, I kind of feel like that one again, you know? Yeah, it's funny. I also had the opposite experience of you where my first few sips, I thought it was, like, super flat. And I just, you know, didn't really care for it. Mm -hmm. And so then as I drank it more, I was like, okay, I'm getting some coconut. And it is light mm -hmm. and lighter than a coconut IPA or, or, like, you know, most beers I've had that have coconut in them. Whereas you were saying, you know, you liked the first one and then the second one, you're now you're now wondering how many of them you would actually. Yeah, have. yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think it lands in platinum for me as well. Um, kind of gold platinum border though, because it's it's fine, and it delivered what it promised, which I like. But I don't know if I'm, if I would buy it again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I can see that. I'll, I'll just because it was cool, like. It was, a lot of the times you'll have these beers that promise stuff, and then you try it, and it's like, it just tastes like an ale. Yeah. And this definitely didn't do that. It kind of gave you the flavors it told you it was going to do, and they do kind of work, because they're inspired by Thai cuisine, and like, mm -hmm. you know, something new. Uh, so I'll give it, I'll give it platinum for that. All right. I think that's solid. <laughs> I, I, uh, yeah, I think we're good with that. That's nice. Um, Lodestar, you picked it. What are your impressions? 
Uh, yeah, it's it's good. I mean, it's a sour beer, and you definitely taste the the plum. I think, um, which is supposed to be the star of the show. I guess um, the color is really beautiful. It's not too fizzy. It's not too hoppy. Um, for me, it's a little closer on the the scale we always use for sours of the the juice first beer scale. Uh, I'd like it slightly more towards the beer side of things, and so I think that that would be my main criticism of it. It could be beerier. Yeah. Um, yeah, I liked it. Uh, I've been getting to the point where I've had so many sours, and um, <laughs> not that. Uh, I mean, I love sours. They're great. But it does seem to... I've been getting a lot of the same sour notes from any type of sour beer. You can definitely tell that there's plum in this one. Um, it's not, like, right in your face. It's quite subtle. But I think the color really bumps it up. I enjoy that uh, quite a bit. And I mm -hmm. think that um, it was it was nice. It's definitely... I definitely enjoyed having it. I think the... The can of the label looks nice and it's enticing. Um, I also like the idea that the can is almost the same color as the beer. That's kind of cool. Because mm -hmm. um, originally I'm looking at it, it's like a bright pink and purpley. And I was like, why did they decide to do that? And besides the plum. And then you're like, oh, it's because it's the color of the beer. That's nice. That's what the beer looks like. Yeah. So that was actually a, a pleasant uh, experience to go through. So I would probably... But as far as like sours go, it's not my favorite, and I don't know how much I would drink this specific sour, um, just because it has just very similar tones to the other ones. But I'd probably do the same type of thing. I'd put it on the gold and silver border, and pro or sorry, not gold and silver. <laughs> oh, damn, <laughs> I was like, wow, really went far down. No, 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 the gold and platinum border. I'd probably bump it up to platinum just because I think the the coloring and and uh, the whole. Uh, everything that went into making it look the way that it does and with the can and everything, it definitely uh, bumps it up for sure. Some niceties there. Yeah, I think for me it's also going to land in platinum, but mm -hmm. I was thinking if you just take this beer and then you take whatever, a standard pale ale, and you mix like 40% pale ale, 60% this beer, that beer would get diamond for me. Really? <laughs> so you're... Yeah. Um, I mean, we should try that sometime, honestly. Yeah. That sounds... <laughs> gnarly i think i wonder if we did this if we took uh, a pale ale from Alora and mixed it with this mm -hmm. if enough of the ingredients would be close enough that it would work well together that could be pretty interesting we'll see if that worked i mean that'd be kind of interesting that's what they should do at their plant just okay uh, at their brewery just uh fill this with like 40 percent of whatever their stock pale ale is mm -hmm. water this down with pale ale and that, that'd be right where we want it. That's hilarious, because to me, I'm like, you know what? They should, uh, this would taste really good if I poured it into a glass and cut up a couple plums and put it in the glass. <laughs> <laughs> if I added some uh, plum juice. Yeah, there wasn't enough uh, plums. Yeah, if you just take some plum juice, pour it into this, uh, I think it would be a bit better. Because <laughs> yeah. you have like a, you're, you're, you're making a shandy with a sour and a pale ale. And I'm just making a regular shandy <laughs> with this sour and some cheese. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, I think that it is closing time. And closing time. 
Da, 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 ba, da, ba, da. Um, you can always reach you us. Learn that song at some point. <laughs> we say this every week. <laughs> I I think we should just never know the song now. At this point, we should. Just, yeah, it's we, better at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's too sure. embarrassing. Um, yeah, it's really embarrassing. You can always reach us at Arena Regulars on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find us on MTG Arena itself on the other side of the table. We'll be under the username Arena Regulars Podcast, and we will have some fun historic brawl decks that you might, uh, well, you're going to beat us. But yeah, pro- we're pro- going to be having a great time. Probably. My, my Vesper Lark deck is not going to do very well, I'm assuming. Um, <laughs> if you want to talk to me personally, you can find me at Zulberg on Twitter and Instagram. That is Z-E-U-L-B-E-R-G. But Jeff, where can they find you? You can find me at Blues Brews MTG on Twitter, B-L-U-E-S-B-R-E-W-S-M-T-G. Absolutely. And please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, on iTunes. Follow us on any platform that you are listening to us right now, Spotify, Stitcher, Anchor, any of those. And check out our YouTube channel uh, because eventually we will be having some... Uh, videos up there but uh in any case just keep listening and, and tell your friends and family we'd really appreciate that this has been the arena regulars reminding you that whatever goes on between you and kiora is fine by us good night all right that's fine